Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18. We're talking about removing, uh, last week we talked about removing the barrier that stood between man and God. Jesus came and fulfilled that. And we, we wanted to, to start this evening by backing up just a little bit for, for, because verse 18 says, For through Him, after He uh, abolished all the enmity in the flesh and all this stuff, it says in verse 18, For through Him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now, this word, access, uh, and, and notice there that it says we both have access. This was very foreign to the Jewish understanding simply because uh, they had always had access through and by the law, a legal preposition before they could enter in. And now he's saying here, he said, for through him we both have access by one spirit. The word access is prosago. Prosago means to literally open up a way. Uh, Hebrews 10.20, I think I alluded to this last week, talking about the new and living way. And, and that this word access, that we have access by faith into the grace of God, everyone does. Everyone was bought with the price, not just one, not just Christians. Everyone was bought with the blood of Jesus. And he says there something very interesting. He said, through uh, the Spirit. He said, through the Spirit, access by one Spirit, which is the word through, one Spirit, unto the Father. Now, 1 Corinthians 6.17 tells us that, that uh, he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. And, and, and that, I, want you to, I want to plant that picture that we are all one in Christ. It's very relevant to these next few verses we're going to get into. That we have to maintain the understanding that we are together in this thing. That we are not fragmented out, that you know that we're you know no man's an island and all these. We need to realize that we need fellowship with one another. We need uh, to understand that that uh, it's it's important that we uh, walk hand in hand and in fellowship with one another. So uh, that is what the Holy Spirit's ministry is is bringing us into that kind of an understanding. So now we'll start then in verse uh, chapter or verse nineteen, and uh, he says there in verse nineteen. Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreign foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. So this word therefore is a conclusionary statement, and that statement. Uh, is bringing together some thoughts that he has already put out there, and he's going to elaborate on those. So, so therefore, at that time, which after what Jesus did for us, that is referring back to verse twelve, he's not left it like we did last week. Uh, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth. Actually, the word commonwealth is citizens, citizenship of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So he says, now, therefore now, you ha this, con this concludes this, after that, what Jesus did, he said, uh, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. And, and this word strangers here is the Greek word xenos. 
It literally can be translated alien. Alien, uh, which means, uh, you know, having a different nature, basically. But an alien was one living alongside or uh, a resident alien which was subject to only part of the law, uh, the law of the land, and enjoyed only corresponding legal protection. And then he uses the word foreigners. It's para, para, paraoikos, paraoikos, one who doesn't rank as a citizen but lives there. In other words, that would be a description of a sojourner. A sojourner. That's, uh, that reminds me of the nomads that, that roam around in the Middle East and uh, uh, you know the, the Bedouin tribes, and they just kind of wandered around from place to place. They had no, they had no habitation. They had no home. And so he's couching this in this with this idea. He said, "Before Jesus did what he did, you were strangers and foreigners, uh, foreigners, but no more." And so he says, "Now you are fellow citizens with the saints." Fellow citizens is sum polites. We get our word politics from part of this word. Uh, you know, we we have uh, fellow citizens, natives of the same town, or it could be uh, fellow citizens could be translated kingsmen, or kinsmen rather, you're, you're kin to these people, and of the household of God. Now, it's interesting about the word foreigner again. He said you're no more foreigners uh, in, in, with God. You're, you, you know, you're, you're not outcast anymore. You're not a wanderer anymore. But it's interesting because that paraorchia in the Latin is, is spelled, it, it's pronounced porcia, porcia probably, uh, but in the English, we get our word parish from that. And in the, you know, in the Catholic Church, they have parishes. In fact, I think the state of Louisiana, their counties are called parishes. And so what that means, it denotes a Christian society of strangers or aliens whose true state or citizenship is in heaven. That, that talks about us now, you see. That's what we are. You know, we, we, are, we are not, our citizenship is not here anymore. Uh, and it, you know, I've played on that, with, you know, sometimes kidding around with people and saying, you know, they'll ask me where I'm from. I'll say, well, I'm from heaven because that's where my father's from, see. And that's, that's where our citizenship is. And, uh, and we're not like the nomads who don't have a purpose. To, you know, we're occupying this land here. We're occupying the world, but we're not part of the world. So in a way, we are strangers and foreigners to, to the inhabitants of the earth, but because we are of the household of God, we're at home in Christ. Now, Philippians 3, uh, verses uh, 20 and 21, if you'll flip over there with me, Philippians chapter 3, and verse 20 and 21. For our conversation, wrong, citizenship. It's the same word that we're just uh, in, in Ephesians 2.22. For our conversation, our citizenship is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body. That is a reference to the fact that we're still living in bodies that look like the people that are here, but inside us is a new life, a new identity, but we're just using this facility, this, this I called it a host a while back, uh, in order to do the will of God. And of course, uh, the fact that we are citizens of heaven. You know, Jesus 
talked about the church and the word ecclesia is we've we've always looked at the word ecclesia as uh, uh, definition wise as the called out ones and that's true it, we are the called out ones but uh, it, it's much more than that we're not only the called out ones as the church but we are the peri paroikos. Uh, because we have citizenship in heaven, even though we're here, you know, we we one who we don't rank at us as a citizen of the world. See, we rank as a citizen of God, and so one day we're going home. You know, Second uh, Corinthians five twenty, it says that we are ambassadors for Christ, ambassadors for Christ. See, an ambassador, which is sent on behalf of the king, the royals. Uh, he's in that country doing business for the king. That's what we're doing. We are ambassadors for Christ. I think it says in that verse, as though Christ did beseech you by us. So that's our message. We're to take the message of the king to the world that they've been bought with a price. God's not holding their sins against them. But there's coming a time, just like it is here, when we go at war with a country, the first thing we do is we withdraw our ambassadors. And so that's what's going to happen when the time of the church is fulfilled. He's going to withdraw us because there's going to be an all-out war on this earth from the enemy, but we're not going to be here to enjoy it. Glory to God. So another thing about the ambassadors is that his privileges, his support, his income, his rights come from the home country, not here. So isn't isn't that wonderful? Now, verse 20. Ephesians 2.20 And we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone. Now, it says here we are built, but, but in the Greek text, it is an ongoing thing. Uh, in other words, it, we are be, it should have been translated, we are being built. That may be in some other translations you have. But we are being built on the foundation. You see, the foundation of the church is already built. It doesn't have to be built. In fact, if you'll turn with me to 1 Corinthians and chapter 3, you'll see it very laid, laid, uh, laid out there by Paul very eloquently. Uh, He says here in chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians and verse 9, it says, For we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise, wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon. So Paul laid the foundation and he said, And another foundation... Uh, let's see, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he builds thereon. For other, or we could put it, another foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So he is the one. He is the he is the foundation of the church, the foundation for everything that God is building on. And then, uh, so we need to understand that that we are being built. The title of this series is The Maturing of the Church. That's another way to say that we are building. See, 
It's not up to us to build the church. Jesus told Peter, and we'll get into that in a few minutes, but He told him, He said, I am going to build my church. I will build it. Jesus will build the church. We don't have to have church growth seminars. I've been to many of them. And you go back and try to emulate what some other guy told you to do. But, but this church is built by Jesus locally and universally. It's being built by Him. But it is totally dependent upon whether the people that are in charge listen to the Holy Spirit or not. See? The, the Holy Spirit, I've called Him the Lord of the harvest uh, because we're supposed to be led by Him and, and His mission is to expose Jesus to the world. So uh, we need to, I've got it on your note here, not to get so New Testament minded that you're no Old Testament good. So let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. Take off on that statement. 1 Peter chapter 2. And let's look at verse 5. And then we'll look at uh, verse 11. He says, You also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Now skip down to verse 11. He said, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. So the strangers and the pilgrims, the, that's the same word, paraedemos, which means basically a, a foreigner or a stranger, a resident, a resident foreigner. We are, that's, that's what we are. Strangers and pilgrims to the world now because we are a member of God's society, aren't we? So the foundation of, crea- of Christianity has its roots in the Old Testament. Uh, the same foundation, you know, with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and David and all those people. Uh, th- that's, that's what he's talking about here. So he says, uh, in, in, uh, back in Ephesians again, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to lay something for you here. He says, are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief corner. So the apostles is talking about the the apostles that Jesus has chosen. Now, the qualification that came for apostles was uh, uh, one, I think I've got it written somewhere, uh, where that they had to have seen the risen Christ. That was a qualification for the original apostles. They had to uh, see Him. They had to have been spent time with Him and uh, and, 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 you know, involved in His ministry. So they had to participate in that to be called an apostle. And these are the ones that Jesus called. You say, well, what about Paul? He's the apostle Paul. Yes, because Jesus appeared to him, remember? He saw the risen Christ. He spent quite extended time with him. And God, Jesus gave him the, uh, Paul, what we call the Pauline revelation about the mystery of the church. And, but then the prophets here that he's talking about is not talking about New Testament prophets like we have today. They're totally different. Now, I know a lot of people will use this as a cross-reference 
to uh, chapter 4, and we're going to we'll get in, into it quite extensively about the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, the gift of, the, you know, the ministry of helps and, and governments and, and tongues and all that. That's all the eight operations of God. But this word prophets here is talking about the Old Testament prophets. And as I said, we'll cover this when we get to uh, chapter 4. But what I want you to understand tonight about this is that we, the church, are the fulfillment of the Old Testament. We are the fulfillment of that. Now remember, you know, Jesus said, I have not come to destroy the law, but to what? Fulfill it. But now remember who you are. You are the body of Christ. We are the fulfillment. Let's put it this way. Maybe be able to understand a little better this way. The, the, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant. The Abrahamic covenant was to produce sons, and that's what it did. You, know, you, remember, you remember what God told Abraham in that? He said, he said, you'll be a father of many nations. Not just the father of Israel, but the father of many nations. And so that's where that, that reference come up, came from. Now there, also in verse 20, it says, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. The chief cornerstone. Now, uh, that word can be translated keystone. And, uh, I wonder if people know what a keystone is. A keystone is like when you're building a rock archway and you build that up and you put this keystone right in the center of it and that ties the two sides together. Jesus being the chief keystone or cornerstone, that is every block, every stone, every measurement for that whole building is taken from that original cornerstone. That's why it's called the chief stone. It's the, that's the one every, all the measurements come from. So, so there's preaching ground in either one of those. But Jesus tied the two together. He brought the Old Testament, the New Testament together, tied them, and now we're one, you see. It says we both have access. So, uh, Jesus being the creek, the, the, excuse me, the chief cornerstone, oinaios, uh, in an archway. Now, in Matthew chapter 16, let's turn over there and look at this for a few minutes. The Holy Spirit gave me, and I've not even told Teru this, but he gave me a brand new revelation today about this. And I'm so excited. I, I, just th- I just stop and I say thank you, Holy Spirit, for giving us understanding. It, it is so cool to, to pray in tongues, not knowing what on earth a Scripture passage means, and, and then a second later you automatically know what it means. It's just revelation from the Holy Spirit is so wonderful. Matthew chapter 16, and I guess, you know, we could probably, uh, let, let's just back up and read this a little bit. He's, uh, Matthew 16, when Jesus, verse 13, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Matthew 16, 13. Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Notice he gave them the answer. And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist. Others, Elias, which was Elijah. 
Others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but, but who do you say that I am? Now, now notice these men have been walking with him for some time now. And he said, well, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now that was a divine revelation to him. Now notice, for, for those people out there that may be thinking they can't hear from God, they're not spiritual enough, this man wasn't even born again yet. And God gave him a revelation. So don't sell yourself out. God can speak. And listen, if God can use a donkey, He can use anybody. I know quite a few of those. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee, Peter, you've got a revelation from God on who I am. But I'm giving you a revelation from me. He said, you are Peter, and upon this rock will I build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And the word prevail means to overpower, to have strength against and gain mastery over. So, let, let's, let's analyze what Jesus said to him. He said to Peter, He said, You are Peter, thou art, which is the word Petros. And that means a little rock. Uh, uh, let's, let's put it this way, a, little, a small detachment from a big rock. He said, You, you are a small detachment, a fragment, a sliver, if you will, off of the big, gigantic rock. He told Peter that. He's reminding of, of this, and it's very, very interesting. This is, this is where the Holy Spirit gave me some revelation today. He said, and upon this rock, Petra, which is a large rock, and uh, which all of my ministry life, which has been 50 years now, every time that I got up and read this Scripture, preached from this Scripture, I talked about the fact uh, that this rock that Jesus is talking, He said, I, upon this rock will I build my church. I couched it, and, and most, pre most preachers do. I mean, this is brand new for me. I couched it in the fact that, uh, first of all, the rock of your confession... The confession of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that worked. I mean, you know, that's, there's nothing wrong with that statement. But that's not what Jesus was emphasizing here. When I began meditating this today, and the Lord showed me about Petra, the word Petra is talking about a massive amount of rock. In other words, a mass of stone, which, which is many. Jesus said, Peter, you are a fragment, but upon the rock, the many, I will build my church. And He's talking about us. We are the many. Each one of us have a fitting place in the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ called the church. He said, I'm going to build it that way. I will build oikodomio, which means a house builder, my church, and it will not be prevailed against. Uh, in other words, there's no superior now, now, with that revelation, I got to looking at the word ecclesia, which is the word for church. I will build my... And when He said this to the disciples, they weren't as dense as a lot of us have been. When He said this to the disciples, and He used this word ecclesia, 
They knew, as we've always preached it and taught it, that it means the called out ones. And we are. But that's not, that's not what Jesus was emphasizing. The ecclesia is the gathering of the citizens, the gathering of the assembly. In other words, the, the gathering of the stones together to be one. And when we come together in unity here in a local church, we make a part. We have small parts which come together and make a bigger part. And our church comes together with other churches. They make even a bigger part, uh, church, bigger part of that huge rock. But worldwide, when it's all said and done, that will be the church, the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so Petros, Peter being uh, you know, a small fragment of the Petra, the massive stone, the many. And over in 1 Peter 2.5 that we just read a moment ago. Uh, we are lively stones. Lively stones. That word stones there is not Petra. It's not Petros. It is Lethos, which is small stones. And that again is talking about the many coming together. And one writer, I remember this from, from studying in, in the past, one writer talked about the fact that the great temple of God which we read, uh, we're going to read, I guess, in a minute or half, anyway, uh, about the, the temple that God is building. We are God's building, yeah, 1 Corinthians 3. He's taught, he said it, it's the Greek word, uh, the temple is the Greek word naus, which is talking about a, a huge, fantastic temple. And on the outside of that temple were stones of gem, gemstones all over it, fixed in that. And they likened that unto the church. And I don't have a quarrel with that. Because we are. You know, we are the, we are the make up the, the, the gems when Jesus, in the last days, He talks about that. So, Peter's name also was, was uh, Kephas. We, we, we call it Cephas, but they, they didn't pronounce a C like we did. They pronounced it as a hard K. That's like Caesarea. A friend of mine and my son went to Israel back in... I don't know, 89 I think it was. And uh, we stayed with a, a lady there, Dora Hochstein. Uh, uh, and she, she was related to this guy that was in my church, Bob Solomon. And so we, in that, I learned very quickly, she, she drove us around Israel. Showed us, uh, you know, uh, around and took us to Galilee and different places. And so she said, well, do you want to go to Caesarea? See, all of us Gentiles have been pronouncing it Caesarea all these years. But it was Caesarea. And I, every time I see this, I think of that experience we had there. But that was Peter's, we would call it a surname. But it also meant stone. So Jesus is saying here, uh, he, he, he is the one that brought it all together. He assembled all of it together. And He is doing that today. That's why, I'm telling you, I hate to say this, but I am convinced of it. That's why the Lord Jesus has not returned yet is because the church has not got this, this revelation, this, this understanding that we're to end this together. We're to mature the church and grow up and put aside all these things. That's why we're going through this book of Ephesians. And, and, and it, just think it, if every church would do that, it wouldn't be long. We'd have this thing sewed up and Jesus would come back, take us away, do the thing for seven years, and then we'll set up a kingdom, or He will, in the thousand-year millennial reign. But He's the one that brought it all together. 
And so I wanted to point that out here in Ephesians that Jesus, you know, He doesn't say that the apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher, and pastor is the one that brought it together. He, He said that that is He that did that. Now, in Ephesians 4, if we, when we get over there, we're going to get into it in depth. But I'll just allude to it here, if you don't mind. And he, he says uh, in verse 11 of the fourth chapter, And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And then verse 12 says, For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of the faith. Now I'm going to break that down for you when we get over there teaching on that and show you that it's not, like it, that it's not been taught traditionally the correct way. That, that the, you know, he is not uh, giving me the responsibility to do your work. It's your responsibility to pray in the Spirit. And, it, and, and he says for the, for the edifying of the body of Christ, just to give you a little clue for your studying, that's not talking about me as a pastor. I can't edify you. I can get up here and tell you some words. But unless the Holy Spirit births that in you, you're not edified. You have some head knowledge. That's dangerous a lot of times. But when He makes it real to you in your spirit, and friends, that only it happens because of tongues that you pray out and that, those, those mysteries. I, was pray, I prayed out that mystery today about the stones coming together, that that is the rock that Jesus is building His church on. And so you see, w- w- until, until we get that revelation from the Holy Spirit, it's not ours. We're not edified. We're just full of knowledge, see. And so it's very dangerous to live like that. So here in your notes, I've got here that God's, the building of God is being built, which is the church, by Jesus, for Jesus, from Jesus, into Jesus, unto Jesus, and on Jesus. Amen? Now, in Colossians 1.25, Paul indicates there, that he was given, uh, and this is one of the books that you were supposed to have read, so I, I don't know whether you had this question, but uh, Paul was given the responsibility to fulfill, which means the word complete, the Word of God. Now, he says, whereof the church, this is what he's talking about from verse 24, I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill. That's plerul. To make replete. It's uh, almost like a picture of cramming something into a container so tight that you can't get any more in there. And so Paul was to fulfill the Word of God. And he goes on in verse 26 says, The mystery which was hid from ages and from generations, but, but now is made manifest to His saints. When I talk about praying in tongues to break out mysteries in the Word of God, that's what I'm talking about. Because with the natural mind, you cannot figure out the Word of God. You'll have a form of godliness, but you will, you will always deny its power because it won't work. You cannot, the Word of God will not work unless it's revelation. That's when you believe it. See, the, the only Word of God that works is the Word that you believe. Now, at uh, 1 Corinthians 3, as we were reading a while ago, Paul said, uh, For other foundation uh, can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus. So, so that's, that, you know, that's very, very in, in, important there. Uh, uh, the apostles, the sent ones of the Lamb, are the last of their breed. The, 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 
the apostles after that. Basically, let's look at the word apostello, which means basically someone sent from someone else to somewhere to do something. So, in a in a very weak or or uh, I don't know a very weak uh, definition of that about myself would be that the Holy Spirit uh, sent me here to Moreland to pastor this church. And that doesn't mean that I am an apostle, but that does mean that I am a sent one in the context of that defini- of definition. Uh, we, we always felt like the apostle, the modern day apostles were those, and we'll, as I said, we'll get into that in depth, but uh, the modern day apostles were p- men that started churches and then moved on. And I've done that. I've raised up several churches and, and installed a pastor and then left and went somewhere else to do it all over again. But uh, these apostles of the lambs are different. In here, I've got it written down here, must have seen the risen Christ, they must have had fellowship with Jesus, and they must have been chosen by the Lord. That was the qualifications for those kinds of apostles. Uh, and, and of course, it, as we get in, I, I keep wanting to reiterate that. We are going to talk to you about the gifts of the, of the apostle today uh, and how they function. Now, John twenty twenty one, Jesus said to them, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. The good news here is the last word send here in this verse is has the Greek word, it is the Greek word pempo, P-E-M-P-O, which means to be sent, but you're sent with an escort. And I'm telling you, Jesus, you know, do you think that Jesus was led by the Spirit of God when He was here walking around? Of course He was. And that's the way that we are to be doing our ministry, led by the Spirit of God. He is our escort. The Holy Spirit is in charge of this. It's so Ministry is so easy now to me than it used to be. All I have to do is listen and obey. I, you know, get, get a word from God and speak it out. That's all, that's, all, that's all any of us, basically. Even Jesus said, I do nothing that I don't see my Father do. I say nothing that I don't see hear my Father say. So let's go back to Ephesians chapter 2 again and verse 21. He says, In whom, that is in Jesus, in the body of Christ, all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord. Now, so so this, this word here, in whom, is talking about all the building. We are the lively stones. We talked about that. We are fitly framed. It's sunamang logeo, which means to closely join together. They were not cemented. And verse Kings, if you want to go over and read that at some point, uh, they made ready before it was, it was ever bought. Uh, let's see. Uh, first Kings 7, I think I read it, wrote it down. Yeah. And the, the house, when it was, in, when it was building was built of stone made ready before it was brought thither, so that there was neither hammer nor axe nor any tool of iron heard in the house while it was in building. So you see, that's, what, that's kind of the way the Holy Spirit builds us. He, he builds us, the Lord Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, builds us inside, and it, you really don't know how. You never hear anything. You never know, you know, it, 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 you just grow in the Lord and this building that Jesus is building, you don't hear the sound of it anywhere. People just, you know, come in, you're born into this kingdom. 
1 Corinthians 12 and 18 uh, says, But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased Him. So these stones that we're talking about, they were, they were hewn, they were procured, uh, let's say at the quarry, at the rock quarry, by Jesus, and are hewn out and placed by the Holy Spirit. So the thing is that we don't need to try to place ourselves in the body where we think we need to be. We need to let Him do it. I, I, I know lots of people that have gotten into the ministry in certain areas that uh, but just because they wanted it, and they ended up burning out because that wasn't what God called them to do. And so but as soon as people start understanding what God called you to do and realize that you're placed by the Holy Spirit, then you're equipped to do that. You don't have to worry about not being able to do that. Amen? So, also in Colossians chapter 1, verse 19, it says, For it pleased the Father that in Him, that is the body of Christ, if you'll read it in context, should all the fullness dwell. You are the body of Christ, aren't you? So, this holy temple in verse 21. Naos, inner sanctuary. You are built into a holy temple. 1 Corinthians 3.16 that we were, just, we were just over there. This is not talking... I just feel like we need to go look at that once again. 1 Corinthians 3 uh, verse 16 because there's, there's been a lot of people that's misunderstood this and walking around in condemnation. I'll tell you what, let's just back up to, uh, to verse 12. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble. And this is a first-class conditional say, uh, a phrase. The word if is, is because it's being done. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it. That's at the, that's at the Bema seat, of course, that we talked about, the, the judgment seat of Christ. Because it... That Bema seat shall reveal, be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's what? Every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. Now, what do you think would, would make, go through the fire and make it? The gold, silver, and precious stones. That's what will make it. The gold, silver, and precious stones are are actions done on your part that are elicited from the Holy Spirit that you perform in the body of Christ. Those are called good works and they will abide forever. Those kind of works. The next one, wood, hay, and stubble, he says, if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. What's it going to be like? It's going to be exactly like it says there. There's going to be men of God and women of God who have done their own thing, all in the name of Jesus, thinking that that's what He wanted them to do. And then when they get up there beaming about all they've done and they stand before the judgment seat of Christ, the fire is going to come and they're going to be like a bent match. You know, uh, when a match is, you light a match and stand there, it'll bent, it'll, you know, like that. That's exactly what it's going to be like. But notice this, He says, He'll suffer loss. What's He going to lose? All the dead works that He did. You wouldn't believe the preachers that I'm thinking about right now that I know that uh, the great things that they've said that they've done and knowing good and well. I'm telling you, there's a lot of churches out there that should never have been. Most of them have been started by 
rebellion, getting mad at the preacher, go down the street, start another one. Those are the kind of things that's going to be burnt up. See, And they're going to suffer loss. But he says, He himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Uh, it's as one. It's it's as though one makes it through the, you know, through the flames, but they still smell like smoke. Know ye not that you are the temple, the naos? That's the big, huge temple. You are the temple of God. Now, don't bring that down to personal. It's not talking about your personal temple. It's talking about the temple of God, which is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and so this, this, when he says ye are the temple, he's talking about all of us together. This lively stone thing. This thing that Jesus said he was going to build. All the, little, all the stones and all the rocks from the quarry and all that is coming together. That is the temple. He says that the Spirit of God dwells in you. If any man defile the naos of God the highly decorated temple, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. He's talking about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not talking about what, how I used to preach back when I was a church of God preacher and preach condemnation to everybody if everything that had ended in ING was wrong. And I let them know it, bless God. It's talk, talk, talking about that. It's talking about people and I'm telling you, Acts chapter 5 proves it out. And, and several other places. Instantaneous judgment. That's something we don't have today, and I guess we should thank God for it. Because Ananias and Sapphira conspired against the church. And, and greed tried to get in on the foundation of the church. And, and Paul called it and, and told him, he said, uh, no, Peter I think it was. Peter you know, said, this day. Your soul be required. And, and he fell dead. His wife came in, told the same lie. She fell dead. That, that is people that's coming against the temple of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is the church. So he's going to protect his church. There's lots of people out there today that's, that's, that's uh, treading on some real shaky ground because they're coming against the Lord Jesus. They're coming against what we stand for. They're coming against and telling us what we can and cannot preach. I'm telling you, I, you know, I, I will go to jail... And I would literally be martyred uh, for standing up for the Word of God. I am not going to bow my knee. I'm done bowing my knee to coronavirus. I'm done with that. But I'm not going to bow my knee if some police officer comes in here and tells me that we've heard you've been preaching against homosexuality and we don't allow that here. Hey, that's what the Word of God says. Romans 1 is Romans 1. I don't care what they say. See? So, so nevertheless, this holy temple... He goes, he says, Know ye not that you are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. That's verse 16 that we wanted to focus on right there. So, we are, he says, verse 22, we are an, a temple, a habitation, a, a dwell, notice that, a dwelling place of God, in whom you are also builded together for an habitation, a dwelling place of God. How? Through the Spirit. The permanent dwelling place of God is the Lord Jesus Christ. We are the body of Christ, and so therefore He dwells in us. It's the habitation of God. Uh, Colossians 1.19 tells us that the fullness of God, kotoikeia, 
which means abode. We, it means the word abode. John 17, 23, Jesus' prayer. He prayed, uh, He said, 17, 23, I in them, thou in me, that they may be perfect in one as we are. John 14, 23, He said that, He, he was telling them, He said, we will come, a Father and I will come, and our abode will, will be with Him. That is, Jesus and the Father comes. and, and the, We are His address. And this is done through the Spirit. So we need to really understand that we are all to get in this thing together. We're not fragmented. It's Satan's goal. It's his, it's his desire that he keeps us divided and keeps us separated. That's where all denominations came from. The word denomination means divide. And that's where it came from. It was never from God. It never should have been from God. And I'm not saying that because this is an independent church. Uh, you know, because I, I'm, I'm not against churches. Jesus, as we said the other day, uh, Sunday I think it was, that no man can do miracles in my name and speak uh, like, like evil of me. So, you know, pe- people are preaching the Word and preaching Christ and all this. I'm glad. But He doesn't want us fragmented. He wants us together. How, how many's ever... Uh, climbed up rocks and you know mountains and cliffs and all that you don't want that stuff unstable you want when you get a hold my brother uh went around the world uh, climbing rocks and stuff and buildings for that matter but he, he'd have to have a good hold where he could place some kind of thing in the rock and it would hold him and he could climb up there see that's what we're sacrificing through division in the church of the lord jesus is that people are not being helped we should be a strong fortress for the world to see and people could come in and be satisfied with what God has done. Amen? Did y'all get anything out of that? I hope.